Hey everybody, this is Chris. For uh, today's installment of From Claremont to Claremont, Episode 3, uh, we're going to call this one 3C since it's, you know, the third segment. I'm joined by my pal Joe Crawford to talk about the second part of the Shiva scenario in the Wolverine title, where our hero, uh, well, he kind of learned something about his past, I think. Don't know how much of that still remains in the current day, but uh, for the time it was pretty earth-shaking stuff. But uh, we're going to talk all about that, and then Joe will share with us the soundtrack of his life, which has been the hook going through these uh, From Claremont to Claremont episodes. And of course, if there's anyone listening who'd like to share their soundtrack of their lives with us, please feel free to do so. You can reach me at Ace Comics on Twitter or at WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at Chris'sOnInfiniteEarth.com. And you could talk to us all you'd like about, well, anything you'd like, over at 90s X-Men on Facebook. It's our little group. Uh, and, of course, the entire Chris and Reggie audio archives is available at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. With no further ado, I'll send it over to the music, and then Joe and I will talk all about Wolverine, Volume 2, Number 49. See ya. Alrighty, we are almost at a milestone ep- uh, issue for uh, Wolverine. The, today we're going to be talking about Wolverine number 49. Just like with everything else we're discussing today, it has a December 1991 cover date. As always, it's Wolverine, so I'm joined by our good friend Joe. How you doing, Joe? Good, good. Happy to be here, Chris. Wonderful yes, Friday evening, getting ready to talk about Wolverine laying the smackdown. That's a fact. That's a fact. And uh, now this issue is part of that uh, that old Shiva scenario that really informed me incorrectly on how important Shiva was going to be in Wolverine's story overall. Um, this is Dreams of Gore, Phase 2, Remembrance of Things Past? Question mark. Written by Larry Hammer, pencils Mark Silvestri, inks Dan Green, lead is Pat Brousseau, colors Steve Bouchelato. At a cover price of a buck seventy-five USD, which is why I did not buy it right off the rack. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> <laughs> but in, our friends in Canada had to pay two dollars and fifteen cents—a nice round figure—and uh, and then our friends across the pond paid ninety-five p's for it. Uh, this one, according to Mike's Amazing World, hit the shelves on October eighth, nineteen ninety-one. How about you? You walk us in here uh, with uh, with what's 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 eating uh, Logan uh, today? All right, so let's jump in on the cover, or, or the, rather the splash page. We're uh, in the X-Men headquarters with Logan, Gene, and Professor Xavier. And it's that's going to be one of those things that's going to pop up over and over again, Chris, that kept throwing me. There's another ball-headed professor running around. <laughs> there is indeed. So, so I'm going to try to, uh, when it's Xavier, I'm just going to call him Xavier. And when it, when I say professor, it means other ball dude, not <laughs> Professor Xavier. So just for you clarification. Know, I, wonder, I wonder if anyone's ever like done a count of how many times on panel there's Professor X in his chair and then like Jean Grey directly like kind of behind him but next to him. <laughs> it feels like every issue we read there, we have at least a panel where he's sitting there and she's like to his to his left or to his right. And we it's have like multiple in this one. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, it could be cut and paste. You know, they're like, I don't have time to draw a Jean Grey. I'm just going to slap it on there and right just have there. the exact same panel. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so anyway, Logan is having his mind probed 
And he's like, when is this going to start? And he's told that it already has. Hmm. So uh, there's a door that's in front of Logan and he doesn't recognize it. And of course, he steps right through it and he becomes Weapon X. And we hear some uh, background noises. There's dozens of body shots. No effect. This is a massacre. Fall back. Fall back. And kind of like last time, uh, once again, we have Logan. He's finding himself and he's hacking and slashing through an army. And mm. once again, we don't really have any context uh, other than, you know, the the previous issue and just an assumption that we're, we're back to him escaping. At least that's my assumption, escaping from uh, the facility in the original Weapon X story. Gotta be, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's kind of talking himself through this because even though he's like in berserker mode and he's attacking people, you literally hear uh, Logan's voice talking to himself. He's saying, "Okay, this isn't time travel. This is just a memory. And I, you know, Chris, I keep I keep finding that I'm having to remind myself that, uh, you know, this is a memory, too, because you're never sure exactly what's happening because it's a mind probe and a mind probe and a mind probe and a mind probe and a mind probe kind of a thing. (laughs) Totally. It's very and we'll get into this later on here where uh, just the ease of reading this and knowing where we are at all times is a is a little wibbly. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) So the doors he is facing, we are told, are symbolic and he can't allow him to become one with the memory. So uh, if he becomes one with the memory, he's going to stop thinking he's just going to be in berserker state. So he he has to break himself out of that by, you know, kind of like the old. I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming. He's just having to keep telling himself, this is just a memory, this is just a memory. Mm -hmm. So uh, he sees the Shiva sign on a vault door, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) And it's like a big, I don't know, it looks like a big bank vault kind of a thing. So uh, maybe Shiva was like during a robbery. I have no idea. (laughs) And that's a door that uh, not even adamantium can cut through, apparently. (laughs) Apparently. <laughs> Vibranium or something. Maybe. <laughs> we t- he turns around and he sees Sabretooth running towards him. And he's in kind of like that quintessential 60s Fidel Castro military <laughs> yep. garb. You know, you think of like uh, uh, Cubans and cigars when I see what he's wearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it turns out Logan and Sabretooth are uh, undercover in Cuba. And uh, Sabretooth is telling Logan that Kennedy's just been shot. Um, Sabretooth, of course, is El Tigre. And um, Logan is Emilio Gara. I'm like, why does one get like a cool like wrestler name and the other one's just some schmo? I, I, I was trying to because uh, Emilio Gara is a is a song, I guess. Oh, OK. But <laughs> it's it's like a brand new song. So oh, it's, gotcha. or it's a or it's a singer, a brand new singer or something like that. I tried doing a little bit of research on if there's any sort of meaning to this. Right. And uh, I don't know that there is. I, I think they might have just picked a name out. It's like what? Like why would Sabretooth be the Tigre? And <laughs> right. And the other one's just a, a, a you know just a Spanish name. Yeah, it's, it's just a random dude. It's so weird. Anyway, maybe just like in the movie X-Men, he was a wrestler. Ta-da. You know, there, there you go. go. All right. Tyler, was Tyler Maine? Is that <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they did it. They got a red herring to take the fall. Oswald <laughs> didn't pull the trigger. So so even at this point, you know, Hama uh, must have been like thinking about conspiracy theories. And it had me thinking like, OK, is this like in the JFK era or something? Yeah, it's it's uh, actually like right before JFK, uh, Oliver Stone's JFK is uh, hitting the theaters. I, I think it hits because this this came out in October. I think 
uh, JFK came out around Christmas time, so I'm sure that this was just like on a lot of creative people's minds at the time. Okay, so it's uh, it's in the proverbial zeitgeist, if you will. I guess absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, that's one of those. I think I think there's like a whole. That's like a very rich subject for a writer to mine if they let themselves. The whole oh, sure. uh, the whole conspiracy of it. I know, like a year before this. Uh, Peter Milligan did like a long, long arc in Shade the Changing Man called The American Scream that ha- had a lot to do with the uh, with the Kennedy assassination. I think it's uh, just outside of this being so close to the Stone movie. Uh, I think it's just always one of those things that was just just there. Well, and, you know, this is the era where I think we were in our love affair with the 60s as well. Sure. Uh, this this is kind of late 80s uh, and early 90s was, you know, the Nam was hot. That was mm-hmm. like one of the big books over at Marvel. And, um, you know, everything was platoon and and uh, the Kennedys sure. and hippies and, you know, delight groove is in the heart. You know, 60s <laughs> were just big in that era in general. So they, they were retro at the time. They were the, the retro nostalgic thing at the time. Right, yeah. right. So anyway, this is part I, I just it just really throws me. Next thing, Sabretooth, he, he, it turns out he blows their cover because he's like screaming in front of like a bar about their mission in English. Yeah. So well, at first he's screaming it in Spanish in front of everybody. Then he's screaming it in English. And wow, the cover gets blown. How shocking. So it makes me think about how you're like, you know, you're watching, I don't know, an episode of Friends or something. And they'll be like two feet away from each other. And Chandler's saying something about Phoebe. But somehow Phoebe can't hear, even though she's in the same right room there. two feet away. <laughs> I mean, did he think he was in a sitcom that he can scream that, oh, we're on a secret mission and they're not going to hear? <laughs> I thought that was weird. It was. And another really weird thing, apparently in this memory, they're not Canadian. And um, they're like, so we're Canucks. Why are they? And he's like, Canucks, what are you talking about? So does this mean we can't trust memories? It's so, yeah, because uh, Logan, like he points out, he's like, well, he's like, they just called us Yanks. Don't they know we're Canadians? And, and Sabretooth is like, huh? Yeah. Which yeah. is like, I, was this was this like just a, a red herring? Was this was this something that Hammer was going to play up later i mean i I know that there's some stories that are going to be coming up that feel like they're very very uh, editorial driven um where it feels like the writing is going to go one way but at the very last second it doesn't so i don't know if maybe there was like this whole maybe he was planning on revealing an origin for wolverine because yeah maybe it's gonna turn out he was american all along you never know because i mean they there is some there is some talk about his parentage that's going to be coming up and right and I think I think editorial might have squashed some of that. So maybe this is this was planting the seeds for for a a future reveal, and that just never came to pass. Yeah, it's it's just one of those curious ones because, like I say, you never know what you can trust and what you can't trust with this, and it's about to get mm-hmm. even more so in a moment. So uh, Logan bursts through another door uh, on his way of escaping, you know, the the Cuban army that it's coming upon him and Sabretooth. And he, <laughs> And he finds himself in this smoky hallway, and this it, it, is one of those classics, like uh, I don't know, like doorway to another world kind of thing, because there's all these different doors, and um, you know which one is Logan going to go through? And uh, one of these doors was a log cabin, and it had Logan plus Silver Fox etched on the door. Yeah, and and I guess uh, we talked about Logan's parentage here. We hear that. Uh, this this little etching was carved with uh, Logan's father 
Peter's knife. So like you almost feel like you're getting like like we were just like an inch away from him from him like revealing something and right. it got pulled back. Yeah, and he opens the door anyway, and of course it leads to dun 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 nothing. nothing. So much to much to Logan's frustration and mine. There's nothing there. <laughs> Not a thing. <laughs> so then, of course, we get the the infamous Xavier with Jean standing slightly behind him over his shoulder. <laughs> they kind of pop out of the smoke and they tell him that blank doors are deliberate blocks put onto his memory. So uh, I thought, you know, maybe uh, one of those doors has Tracy Kins behind it, uh, behind the door, because nobody wants to remember that one. That's that's a rep- that's a memory worth repressing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he presses on through and ends up finding himself in the building that you know we had that commandy shipwreck slaughter from last issue uh i hope you all uh, caught that when that was a classic um and then you get this just really abhorrent scene where Sabretooth is kind of beating silver fox and like he's like and then he sees paintbrush in her pop, yeah, pop, it's, pop. it's like totally gross and would not even remotely fly today no. and you know he's like hey you want to come get some of this i'm like ew gross <laughs> so Anyway, Mastodon and Logan and Sabretooth are just kind of standing around, and Logan's like, hey, I thought we were shot to bits. But, uh, you know, he's like, hey, look at your shirt. And he looks down, and, of course, they all have on bulletproof vests, and Sabretooth says something along the lines of, well, at least you didn't get shot in the face. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, who cares if he gets shot in the face? This guy got melted down to bone, and he came back, right? (laughs) And I'm trying to remember I think he was shot in the face a few times. He was shot in the face. They were all shot to hell on that issue. Um, For whatever reason, uh, Mastodon and Sabretooth leave. I guess it's just so that we can have this wonderful, bizarre scene that's about to happen with Silver Fox. Yeah. And so he starts talking to her. He's like, Silver Fox, you know me. She's like, yes, I know you. And you remember me. I do remember you. You remember the cabin. I remember the cabin. You remember our love. Oh, I remember our love. Do you remember that time you shot my dog? And I'm like, what? They actually called back to the Tracy Kin story. I'm like, of all the stories you never want to bring back up again, they bring back up the time they shot Old Blue. But whatever. Oh. <laughs> Poor Old Blue. <laughs> Poor Blue. Oh. So Silver Fox, of course, you know, she keeps saying she does, but it turns out there's just this uh, calendar that was laying on the floor that she's getting all this from. You know, all I can think is apparently June had a picture of a rabid feral wolf being put down <laughs> as a picture for the month. But you remember this from a calendar. So bizarre. That's it. (laughs) So uh, she pulls a gun on him, uh, but luckily it had been emptied out in the shootout earlier. Uh, If you want to go look for the bullets, they're probably in commandy. You know, he's laying in the corner still. Um, So Logan picks up the calendar and he goes on a tirade about it can't be fake. You used to have red highlights in your hair. And I'm like, she has got the blue blackest. I'm talking about Superman, lowest yeah. blue black hair. I don't know how this ever had red highlights. I think he's got yeah. a gene. He's thinking about Jean Grey again. Yeah. And and, I, and yeah. like this at this point, the snake's just eating its tail. You know, it's yeah. it's become a big circle. Um, so <laughs> Logan gets frustrated and smashes the wall. And apparently he's like on the Watu's uh, home base or something. It's really weird. It's just like this fast <laughs> outer space scene. Yeah, it's just like this weird cosmic star field that he's looking into. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah. You expect Watu to say like, I must've blinked. I didn't catch that, you know, <laughs> anyway. well, I will not interfere until I do. <laughs> You will go through every one of these crappy memories and I shall say nothing. Um, 
So once again, we get the kind of like thorny thing from last issue. Everything's starting yeah. to protrude out of the ground. Everything's spiky, kind of like it happened last go around. Yeah, and, then, and Wolverine actually gets impaled on the spikes, just like on the cover. Yeah. So the cover actually reflects something in the story. Well, I was, ex- you know, I, I'm just excited, you know, for for the most part that we can do the callback to like one of the most confusing parts of last issue. <laughs> so we'll keep rolling. We'll keep rolling you, with that. You're trying, you're trying to suggest we might be losing the plot. I think this is, like I said, this is where the thread starts to starts to run away. I, yes. I, I, I think that in general, this issue is much more, more coherent than the previous one until where we're at now. And it's just going to become a big bloody mess. Yeah. It's like we hit the staples and things are going to get weird. Yeah. So uh, Logan, he's like begging, you know, the universe out there for the truth. And uh, the truth apparently is once again, he's weapon X with these kind of weird red goggles on. And uh, he's like now in the wilds of the snow, no longer in the, the bunker. And then you get this really weird thing. There's this tree that starts to split in a really gross way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we want to talk about how gross it is, but if you really want to scar yourself, look it up. Mm-hmm. And this giant bear pops out. And I'll, my first thought is it's like supposed to be the demon bear or something. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. And uh, at the same time, we're getting those narrator boxes that we got in the last issue that were kind of confusing that are like the subject is doing this. The subject is doing that. And, you know, and they're kind of just talking about uh, his uh, state of mind or kind of lack thereof at the time. Yeah, and, and unlike you said, uh, the way the bear emerges from this tree, it's it's like if it wasn't a tree, it would be very explicit. And, right. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, I'm surprised they got away with it because it's clearly evo- evoking a certain thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Think the Miracle Man issue that got in trouble for uh, Eclipse. I'll just Here you go. The, yeah. the one with the little uh, parental uh, notification on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. The, the reason that Marvel refused to put those out on digital. Yeah, that's the one. There you go. Um, so, you know, then it starts getting really confusing. And Chris, maybe you got a better handle on this than I do. Um, but you've got like a headless Logan or something, and he's confronting Le- Weapon X Logan. And then I feel like he's being intimated that he's being attacked by a multitude of Logans. All I know is there's a bunch of people coming towards Weapon X Logan, and one of them ain't got a head. It, it is so confusing. And, and like... Just like last month, uh, when we looked at that, like that the weird Commandi shipwreck scene, and like the like the wall started to like bleed spikes and stuff, and we were just like, where 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 are we? Um, I think that the demon bear here, there's there is a panel where Logan swipes at him. Um, he's like in silhouette, so you don't see what happens. But after that, there's a there's a Wolverine head on the ground. So I don't know if the demon bear was actually like a form of logan or transformed into logan and then i mean we see the severed head in the snow and then the headless character starts to approach it's <laughs> um it's i i think you know i i just think sylvestri may maybe not uh, being able to um really deliver what ham is trying to okay. to convey here it's and uh, just like last issue we get this one odd scene in the middle where it's like we just kind of lose the plot right yeah, the thread is gone. Yeah, and, totally. And, and Logan says he doesn't care if these are implants or yesterday's pizza. And that reminds me of a famous quote from Dickens. And I say maybe he had a bad spot of potato. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, interesting bit. Um, when uh, w- Logan is in the fray, we do get a couple of more uh, morsels that mm-hmm. might hit of uh, what is yet to come kind of thing. So um, basically it does hint that Logan has got some pretty heady de- daddy drama that we haven't really been told about yet. So yeah. 
I'm hoping that's coming. <laughs> and then there's a voice that comes on. And it tells him about turning him out, turning him off, meaning Logan. And the response to that is, uh, that's what Shiva is for. So mm-hmm. you know, Lova, uh, Shiva is a big turnoff for Logan. <laughs> I don't think I got that right. Anyway, <laughs> close enough. Yeah. Uh, so just as things are getting totally incomprehensible, Gene and Xavier bring him back. And uh, so through uh, some form of hypnosis, hypnosis or drugs or some combo of the two, whatever this mind probe thing was, it had to have had drugs involved because the way they bring him back is a shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Logan has just totally trashed the mansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then the three of them have this long and kind of verbose discussion that I won't get into because it's kind of boring. But uh, basically it's how Logan was on the brink of madness and, uh, you know, they're going to have to bring him back from the brink and they'll have to keep on working. And, you know, typical Professor Xavier stuff about how, like, you know, if they don't work through this stuff, he'll become an animal. And um, basically to prove that he's not an animal, Logan screams, I'm not an animal and rips his clothes off and leaves. Yeah, I mean, if you got to prove that you're not an animal, that's kind of what you do. The only thing that would have been better is if there was like some raw meat he could just like tear <laughs> off and bite into right there and, and just per- and like wipe the blood on his chest and just oh, right. scream, like, I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. Watch me bite the head off this dove, you know. <laughs> and so as Logan rides off on his bike, you have this kind of nondescript person of indeterminate age. That's my way of saying I can't tell if it's male or female or if they're 10 or 20. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really tell. It it literally almost looks like it could be like a 10-year-old boy or a 12-year-old girl. I can't tell. Anyway, so so they call old the other professor. And this is where I was talking about, you know, baldy professor. Uh, Oh, they're both bald. That doesn't work. Okay. (laughs) Professor with glasses. There you go. Yeah. And uh, he he warns uh, the professor that Logan is awake and seeking answers. And uh, uh, the professor says the only thing that Logan is going to find is Shiva. And Shiva is designed to kill him. Mm-hmm. And I find out what that's what they meant by uh, turning him off. It, it, it's not that he's Shiva's a turnoff. It literally turns him off. Got yep. it. Flips his switch off completely. And uh, judging by the view from his office, it looks like our uh, our other professor is a pretty big mover and shaker. He's uh, right there in Washington, D.C. With the, with the White House right out his window. Yeah, and I always thought they were Canadian. Oh, yeah, we just found out they're not Canadian. Right. There we go. (laughs) Yeah. So next month, God help us, is going to be double size, 50th issue. So you get forward, uh, can look forward to hearing uh, us go on and on next month. And I'm sure next month, all of our questions and then some will be answered, right? They got to be. I will, you know, as long as Old Blue and Tracy show up, I'm happy. I mean, the cover does look like a manila folder. So that's true. There yeah, are okay. answers inside, and yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we're gonna have no more questions after that. We're gonna know everything we need to know about this character and his history, and it'll be smooth sailing from that point on. So I kind of just in a quick recap, uh, better than last issue. Sure. Still not as fun as the first issue we covered. <laughs> and once again, I don't know if it's the losing of the thread. I don't know if it's. Uh, Hama needs more editorial or he has too much editorial. I'm not sure what happened there, but I have a feeling it's, you know, he either needs to be like a a little more like under control or somebody's given him a little too little control. That's a very good point. Yeah, because it it just doesn't seem like it feels like there's just too he's juggling too many plates right now. Right. Um, 
And uh, in trying to to fill in so many gaps in, in Wolverine's memory, it's making every visit into his memory meaningless. Well, yeah, because you don't know if it's real or not. Exactly. And you, we don't know what order they're happening in. We don't right. know. We don't know. Are they implants? Are they real? It's just so weird. Um, right. Is it Nikki or Brie Bella? <laughs> there you go. We got twin magic. <laughs> uh, we don't know which way we're going. And it is a it is a hard sell um, because it, it's so weird. It's trying to be cerebral, right. but with the trappings of a Wolverine comic book. And like I say, sometimes it works, but sometimes he just gets a little too carried away with it. Um, totally. totally. Uh, and like I say, by the time in each issue, I think it's about like the not quite the two thirds mark is where it just falls apart. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. and it definitely was true here because because you, you did feel like except for maybe the the little thing about the are they canadian are they not and then you know that sets off you know red alert red alert don't trust yeah. what you're reading um except for that i i felt like he was kind of filling in some of the gaps that he had made previously in the other issue so yeah i'm really fingers crossed hoping he's gonna you know pull it together in in, in number 50 yeah hopefully it'll pay it'll pay off i haven't read 50 since Oh boy, like quarter of a century probably uh, since I've read that. So uh, you actually bought that one? Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it off the rack. I I I found it. Um, but uh, yeah, I I bought that and uh, I don't remember it. So this will be interesting to do. Um, because this uh, just this whole story made me made me expect the Shivas to be like a huge deal. Right. uh, Yeah. They're not. Oh no. You mean they're, they they don't kill him? Oh yeah, Wolverine's still around. Yeah, you don't kill him. Only Charles Soul kills Wolverine. Yes, yes. Yeah. Or he just covers him in nougat, right? Isn't that... <laughs> right. <laughs> Packed with peanuts, he's uh, he's covered in uh, nougat. Oh jeez. But uh, I think uh, I, th- I agree with you definitely. This one is better than the issue we read previously, without any of the fun of the first issue with Tracy Kins. Right. But uh, and and the ever growing and shrinking pistol. But uh, <laughs> but this was a uh, it's it, I like Mark Silvestri's art, um, so I don't want it to sound like I don't. Uh, but as a storyteller, he's a little lacking. Right. Um, I don't know that he's able to convey the things that Ham is trying to uh, explore and examine here. Um, and also, Mark Silvestri does not draw feet. So uh, let's leave Rob Liefeld alone. Oh, my God. Get out of my head. I was debating bringing (laughs) that up. That picture, guys, of Sabretooth running down the hallway is some of the worst feet you'll ever see. Yes. So let's let's all be nice to Rob Liefeld. It was the 90s. Nobody could draw feet. (laughs) It was all clubs and spades. And that was it. (laughs) I'm starting to think in the 80s they couldn't draw feet either. Have you ever noticed that everybody wore buccaneer boots in the 80s? (laughs) They probably just had a set of buccaneer boots that were cut and paste and just put plopped down on the page. I bet nobody's ever been able to draw feet. <laughs> they had they had Al Milgram draw 45 pairs of boots and then they just pasted yeah. them on. from every angle and they would cut and paste yep. just like color forms. That's what we were looking at was color form buccaneer boots. That's it. <laughs> but but uh, this was uh, like like we both said this is this was better than the first part. Hopefully the third and final part will uh, will take us home in a, in a good way. Yeah. But uh, 
but yeah, it was a, it was kind of just there. Uh, and I'm actually yeah. surprised we got so much material out of it because when we, when we were reading this, I'm like, what are we going to even say? <laughs> uh, I, I just, I did struggle the first time I read it. I read it first, maybe a few weeks ago and I was like, mm. ugh. and yeah. it's kind of like what you are with issue 50. I reread it uh, yesterday mm. and I was like, I don't even remember half of this, but I remember just enough to go like, I did read this, but why did none of it stick? Exactly. It, yeah, it's it's rice. You know, it, it, yeah. it may or may not fill you, but you're not going to know yeah. it an hour later. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. hundred percent. But uh, yeah, that is uh, that is Wolverine. And uh, next time we will be back with that milestone 50th issue with a nice gimmick cover with the manila folder with the claw marks in it. Um, but uh we're not done here. We're not done with this segment. Uh, we are doing our special little hook here where we are sharing the soundtracks of our lives here. These are sto- songs or, or lyrics from songs that just resonate and maybe remind you of a time in your, in your life or an event or a person or a place or a thing and all the other nouns. Um, so I'm going to let Joe start us off on uh, the soundtrack to his life. Okay, so I noticed something recently when I I sent uh, some tapes off to one of my friends. He's like, how old are you? And I was like, well, I was born in 74. He's like, I could kind of tell from your music taste. And I was like, well, (laughs) you know, so I'll go ahead and throw that out there. Uh, I was born in 1974. So some of this stuff is going to like kind of place in my life because of the age that I am. Sure. So one of the, the first things I really remember as a kid was uh, we had one of those gigantic stereo consoles where it basically was like the size of a, a, a table. They're, you know, like three feet high and kind of like uh, five feet long stereos. Okay. And the, the song that I always associate with my childhood is the Rhinestone Cowboy uh, 45 that I had. And the B-side I remember was Southern Nights uh, and by Glenn Campbell. That's yeah. that's probably my first memory of music and just being absolutely in love with, with a song. Uh, my dad bought me the 33 and a third, but I always just played the 45 anyway. Oh, well, That's typical, and grew, right? And you grew up in uh, in Georgia. I did. Or, uh, I lived yeah. in I lived in Georgia until um, 2004, I believe. Uh, so you know, about 30 years I was in Georgia. Okay, very so, cool. Very cool. All but I think uh, one of these songs are going to be covered are going to be things that I heard in Georgia. So oh, take okay, very good. Take that as you will. We, <laughs> uh, so the next thing I thought of, what's something that really is kind of like, what is one of those big influential songs when you're like kind of a kid, but you're not like quite a teenager? And the mm-hmm. one that comes to me was Beat It by Michael Jackson. I mean, I had the Michael Jackson wallet. I had the Michael Jackson T-shirt. I had the vinyl. I had it on cassette. I probably would have had it on single if I had known that was a thing at that point. <laughs> and, and we didn't have cable growing up. Uh, sure. we, we had the little crappy black and white 13 inch TV. So, but this song is one of those that had such a presence that, you know, e- even if you didn't have cable, you would still see the video because there was those Saturday afternoon video countdown shows that would sure. come on, you know, and that was, you know, that was like number one for like a year or something forever. So, yeah. Beat it was omnipresent. Did you uh, have a did you have a uh, did you have a one of the gloves? Did you have a Michael I Jackson? I did not glove? have a glove. Oh. Uh, we did have a teacher uh, that wore a glove, and I remember you know people picking on her and say, "Wait, what are you like a Michael Jackson fan?" But I think that, <laughs> I think you know kids were just cruel, and she actually had a thing where she couldn't feel uh, things in her hands, so she had to have oh, a geez. glove on. Yeah, oh, yeah, kids are jerks, you know. Kids this. are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> could, could you moonwalk? 
Oh yeah, shoot yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was about it. You know, I'm I couldn't pop and lock or you know, you know anything else, but I I, I could do the moonwalk. It was universal. Yeah. Yeah, I could do a really crappy robot. You know. <laughs> uh, so the, the next one that and I'm sure a lot of people my age was uh, really important to, and this is this is funny. I'm going to include this as one of the most important songs, but it's probably one of my least favorite songs by them. It's kind of like Respect by Aretha Franklin. Uh, I don't care how good the song is. I've heard it too many times in my life. I don't need to ever hear it again. Sure. So that's that's uh, that's my song on this list. Uh, I never need to hear it, but it's important. Uh, and that's Fight for Your Right to Party by the Beastie Boys. Okay. Um, my sister had the tape, and it was just loud and obnoxious, and my mother absolutely hated it. So, of course, I immediately fell in love with it. And uh, it really began, you know, my fandom of all things Mike D, MCA, and Ad-Rock. Uh, they're pretty much one of my favorite bands of all time. And I know everybody now claims that they love Paul's Boutique, but let me tell you for a fact, I had that tape when the Hey Ladies came out, and everybody I knew hated it. Nobody wanted to listen to Paul's Boutique. They'd be like, no, put in license to ill. I've always loved Paul's Boutique. It's a, it's a piece of work, and I'm glad that people finally uh, like it. But to it. Yeah. Yeah, back then, nobody liked it. They hated it. <laughs> Don't believe what people tell you. So... um. And that was kind of like in that, uh, you know, middle school age. Was I was, was gonna? The, I was just about to ask, yeah, how yeah. old you were at that point? Yeah. And so then moving on to high school, and this is, uh, I was in kind of that uh, rebellious stage, and um, didn't have a lot of punk music around then, and um, the metalheads I knew were kind of like, uh, I don't know, they just were never kids I hung out with. I probably would have mm-hmm. been gotten along really great with the metalheads but we didn't really have alternative music we're in middle georgia so uh sure. i i think rebellious music i always think of the hip-hop that was out that was rebellious and i know i should say something like uh uh fight the power by public enemy which was you know would make my like top 20 but, mm-hmm. but of we were in the south and let me tell you in the south one of the big things was miami music so if I had to pick a political song from my 11th or 12th grade year, I'm going to pick Band in the USA by Luke. Because I remember going on these uh, trips and everybody's wearing the bandana. Everybody wants to keep Skywalking, even though they took the name away. And, you know, you were just at that age. You wanted to, like, support a cause. You wanted to tell Tipper Gore where to shove her sticker, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you railed about free speech. That's where I was at. And Band in the USA even though I say there's better quality songs out there, that's just the one that really stands out in my head is like, this is free speech. This is something I cared about, about that age. Yeah. That's, is that a, is that two live crew? Uh, yeah, it was his okay. solo album uh, from gotcha. two live crew after they got arrested. Yeah. He did. Uh, he did a solo album. Cause uh, what's his name? Um, uh, George Lucas sued. Cause he was Luke Skywalker up until then. You know, I think okay. it had like two Y's in the name. And wow. then uh, Two Live Crew got all the pub because, you know, they got arrested for they doing arrested. shows. And yeah. uh, and he did the band in the USA. Uh, and uh, they, he had, after that, I think he was like Uncle Luke or something. Okay. You know, or Luther such Campbell. You know, Such a weird time. It was a weird time. You know, and the funny thing is, I've said this many times, you listen to the Two Live Crew now. Yeah, it's it's raunchy, but I swear there was stuff on that Snoop Dogg's first album that was even nastier. Yeah, and, it, it and comes across totally as quite tame. Yeah, totally, totally. No, that that was a 
Because I, I was still, when was this? Probably 1989, 1990-ish? I think it was around 90, 91, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I was still in, like, elementary school at this point, And even, like, we knew about it. And, uh, yeah. like, one kid in the class would have the tape and pass it around. And right. it, it, it was, like, it was the two live crew tape, and it was, like, a Jerky Boys tape and an Andrew Dice Clay tape <laughs> that would, go, that would <laughs> like, circulate oh, around, <laughs> around the classroom. Oh, yeah. I, I remember being on trips, you know, like, hey, dude, go buy me the new two live crew tape. I can't get yep. it. You have to be 18. You know, yep. literally it was like beer. You would have it to was. like say, hey, go in there and buy that, you know. <laughs> yeah, Sam Goody begging people outside the store to go buy this for you. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, then the next one, uh, this is a song that's been with me pretty much most of my life. Um, <laughs> I had a Best of Queen tape when I was a kid, and, and one of my favorite songs was Under Pressure by David Bowie and Queen. And um, – I don't know if I ever really uh, hooked onto it at that point, but mm-hmm. as the, the older I got, the more I appreciated it. I think, you know, when I was a kid, I probably like, oh, I like the Flash Gordon theme, Meh. you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, I do remember I was on a debate meet and uh, we were in the cafeteria and, you know, you got your boom box and you're, you're playing, you're playing songs. Sure. And I put this on and the entire cafeteria started booing. What? They heard the dun 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 dun, dun and they thought it was Vanilla Ice. Yeah, I gotta tell you, every time I hear that, I hope it's Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Vanilla Ice, you know, he he really made it a, a very hated song, at least for a while, it seemed like. But um, uh, this is one of those songs. I think I, you know, sometimes you hear songs your whole life and you don't hear it. Sure. And uh, when my dad passed, I, I, I listened to it, like actively listened to it, listened to the words, listened to what they were saying. And uh, it's probably one of my favorite songs now. Very so. cool. Very cool. And uh, the next one, it's kind of a twofer. Um, mm-hmm. As I mentioned to you, Chris, sometimes there's stuff. Uh, it can be something you love, but you can't stand it. Sure. And um, one of those for me is uh, Hurt by Johnny Cash. Okay. Uh, it's it's a great song. I, Nine Inch Nails version is good, too. But uh, Johnny Cash did this one. Yeah. Johnny did this one, like I think, on his very last album before he passed away. Yeah. And it's it's just a it's a tough listen. Oh, it, totally. It's a beautiful song by either one, but it's, it's just hard to listen to. And uh, the other one it made me think of. um uh, Glenn Campbell did a rendition. Glenn Campbell, once again, full mm-hmm. circle, did a rendition of Good Riddance, Time of Your Life, the uh, Green Day song. And he did that on the album where basically he'd been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And uh, he knew that he didn't have a whole lot of performance time left. Oh, wow. And it was kind of a goodbye song for him. And uh, it's a little bit more upbeat. So I can once in a while be in the mood to hear it. Unlike sure. her, I can almost never listen to, even though it's a beautiful song. But uh, mm-hmm. Glenn Campbell's Good Riddance is another one of those. I have to be in the right frame of mind because th- these are two of my childhood heroes. And, and like I say, this was uh, great renditions of other people's songs. You know? I didn't even know that backstory for the uh, Glenn Campbell one. That's that's heartbreaking. Yeah. He's got another song about, you know, forgetting his wife. that's even tougher. Like I can't oh, listen to it at all. But uh, Good Riddance has got enough of a. You know, upbeat, snappy. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, poppy. You, you can you can push through, but it, it, but when you think about the fact that this guy's doing this and he's slowly losing reality, it's it's tough. It, it's flowers for Algernon, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, he knows what's that. That's that's heartbreaking. Yeah, 
So let's get a little more upbeat. Um, yeah, let's do <laughs> one, one, one thing here. Uh, the uh, Johnny Cash song. Um, yeah. The first time I ever heard that song was a, it was uh, the night after Eddie Guerrero died. Oh my um, God. Yeah. They played, uh, that was, that was the tribute song to him. And that was the first time I heard that version of the song. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's stuck with me ever since. And, and uh, it, it has that extra layer of like, just like pain on top of it. It's. Oh, no doubt. It's, it's a toughie. It's definitely a toughie. Well, that whole album, uh, I don't remember if it was American four or what mm-hmm. he's also got one of those, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but basically it's like so long farewell kind of songs. Okay. And, and just, you're like, I mean, you wonder how, if he knew how far along he actually was. Sure. It's like, is this his way of saying goodbye? Cause saying goodbye. yeah. And, and, and I love Johnny cash, but he, you gotta be there to listen to it. Cause, uh, I just don't want to put on a CD and ugly cry just on any given morning. You know? No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> My last one, uh, I was late to this one in the game, um, and they're 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 one of my favorite all time bands. Uh, I love I love that kind of '80s alternative jangly pop. Uh, REM should have made my list, but I couldn't narrow it down. If I had to pick an album, I'd say Green, but I couldn't pick an REM song. Mm-hmm. But uh, late in life, I discovered Joy Division. I discovered New Order, and this was all about the time I met my wife. And I also discovered The Smiths. And my favorite all-time Smith song is uh, "There's a Light That Never Goes Out," and and I think of just that time when you know I first met my wife, and uh, this is one of those morbidly romantic Romeo and Juliet songs that mm-hmm. it, I I always tell people my favorite flavor is bittersweet, and it, it's <laughs> it, it, and it's one of those that it makes me think of a very happy time, even though it's a slightly depressing song. So sure, <laughs> that's that's my final one to try to get us away from. Uh, Hurt by Johnny Cash. So wow. those are my six songs. Or actually, if you count the uh, Glenn Campbell, that's seven, I think. You got eight. You had eight Did songs. Did I end up with eight? Yep, absolutely. I it's, count. <laughs> the more the merrier, for sure. And, and I mean, the, the listeners are probably going to be tired of hearing me say this, but this has been such a fun exercise. And um, just uh, learning so much about people's lives through something as uh, like peripheral as, as music. Right. Um, it's uh, I think that the, these are the bits of the show that I'm looking forward to more than even talking about the X-Men at this point. Um, I feel like these are fun ways to uh, really share uh, bits and pieces of our lives here. And and, and we're going to keep trying to do that as we uh, as we do this show here. We're going to find other ways to have these little asides, these little hooks. Uh, you know, sometimes they'll they might even be something about comics. Yeah, <laughs> you never right. know. <laughs> and, the, and the fun thing is, like I, I mentioned, kind of, you know, you could even revisit this kind of stuff, because if this were albums mm-hmm. versus songs, this would be a totally different list. Oh, 100 percent. Because 100%. I would have I guarantee you I'd have at least like a John Coltrane album on here. I'd have a country album. I'd have you have your R.E.M. album. I'd on have there. my R.E.M. album. <laughs> I probably have And Justice for All by Metallica, because that was a really I can't pick a song on there, but sure. like. You know, from blackened uh, all the way to one, there was just it is a piece that meant something to me. Whereas, like, I, I can't just pull one out because, eh, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, this has been a lot of fun here, and uh, and I think I mentioned this on another segment. I might, I might not. I don't know. But uh, I was thinking it might be fun to just throw together like a whole bunch of uh, Spotify playlists at the end of this. And oh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah that so would this be great. way. 
Yeah, so this way, like up on the site, you can you can listen to to the soundtrack to Joe's life. There you, you know, go. You, with a with a click of a button and uh, for better or for this, worse. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I think this is a uh, this is gonna be a lot of fun here, and uh, I, I really thank you for uh, for you know putting in the time and uh, and and sharing all this with us. This is a uh, this has been very fun and. Uh, no, I, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, fun little exit. I'm I'm still working on mine and. Uh, I am narrowing and, and weeding and, and trying to pluck because it's it's one of those questions that's like so simple, but at the same time, not. Uh, it's like, it's like well, what, what's your favorite color? It's like, well, uh, 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 there's a lot of them I like, you know? <laughs> it's, well, it's, yeah, and that's one thing I think is going to be cool, too, is we've got people from all over uh, North America because, sure. you know, we got somebody from Canada on the pod. Mm-hmm. Um I think regionally things are going to be different because like, like you said, two live crew was a thing, but I, I definitely think Miami was, was huge, huge mm-hmm. uh, in the area I was from. Sure. Uh, I, I, and I'm curious to see what regions, you know, cause we didn't have a, a top 40 radio station as a kid. So you oh, either wow. got it through, you got it through like tapes or records or, or from, if you were lucky enough, if you had cable, satellite, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that, I, 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 I was late to the game on a lot of bands, um, sure. but uh, that's that was just the nature of the beast. Yeah. I'm still discovering stuff that uh, I missed out as a kid because I was in a small middle Georgia town. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think that's all we've got for uh, for our Wolverine uh, segment this time out. Uh, I'm going to thank Joe for hanging out with us and uh, for his patience. I'm thanking everyone for their patience because I really dragged my feet on this. Um, but uh, After this, we will head over to, I think, Excalibur. So uh, I'll send it to something silly. Then we will be talking about Excalibur. <laughs> 